Hello, this is Terry Cheek. I want to thank you for choosing our broadcast, and my prayer is that it will be an encouragement to your walk with the Lord. Comments or questions can be directed to me via the link on our sermon audio page. Now, on to your selection. I'll give you just a couple of moments to find your place. Revelation chapter 1, and we'll begin reading with verse number 9 this morning. As we continue on in our study of Revelation, we are still in the beginning of it. We're still watching Christ open up and give a characterization of the age that we live in. And this age is not necessarily an age that's years down the road. It actually describes the age from the ascension of Christ and the birth of the church on the day of Pentecost up to the time when the tribulation period is actually going to begin. So when we talk about the age that it talks about here in Revelation, it's talking about a very large period of time, but one that involves us today as well. So we are we're included in this. So as we're continuing to look, let's go to verse number 9 this morning. Revelation chapter 1, verse number 9. I, John who also am your brother and companion in tribulation, and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos, for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, and what thou seest, write in a book, and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, and unto Smyrna, and unto Pergamos, and unto Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. It is there where we will stop reading today, and we're going to think for a little while today on being prepared and being equipped for worship. Because when we look at those few verses, worship is what we see. We are looking again at the characterization of our age and we're going to specifically look at worship this morning. And we're going to look at how it fits into our age and especially in the day and the time that we live in today. Because we see worship being being sold to us in a lot of different pictures in a lot of different aspects in church today. We see worship being sold to us in music. We see worship being sold to us in a contemporary or a traditional package. We see worship packaged in a lot of different ways and given to people. And if we're not careful, we wind up looking strictly at that package and thinking that's all there is to worship. We, we will wind up being uh, led down a road that will so box in the thought of worship that we will have a problem in our lives really engaging in worship. And that's something that we have to be cautious of. We don't want to package God into such a small box that we limit Him in our life. And if we're not careful, that's what we will do. If we're not careful, we will let others do that to us. And we're all capable of that happening. 
We will let someone uh, who will have a charismatic personality so package God into such a small package that we will be convinced that God can't really do anything for me because I don't meet God's expectations. Whatever those may be, whatever we may be led to think about those. And they'll never be corrected. And I want you to understand this morning that when we're talking about worship, we are talking about three things that are very critical and are very necessary in the life of a person before they can truly worship. And when we look at the scripture, when we look at these three verses that I read this morning, from the very beginning, we understand a few things about worship. First, John says that he is our brother. So he is a fellow Christian. He is a fellow Christian. Next, he is not just a brother, but he is a brother in tribulation. So it doesn't, he's not just there for the good times. He's not just there when things go really smooth. He is there when there is difficulty. And as I talked about earlier, John knew about difficulty in life. John experienced some very difficult and very troubling times in life. And just to recap those, he, he was the only apostle that died of natural causes. That, that he aged out, he died at about a hundred years old. But in that period of time, while others may have been martyred much younger, John suffered a lot of persecution. As a matter of fact, under Domitian, he was literally boiled alive in oil. He was dropped in a pot of boiling oil because he was a Christian. He was tortured and persecuted because he was a Christian. He was brought to the Isle of Patmos where he received the writing of the book of Revelation as a prison. Now think about that. He was dropped in hot oil and boiled alive to die, and he didn't die. There were no pain medicines. There were no antibiotics. There were nothing like that to give him for any of the, anything he was struggling with. There was nothing to help the scarring or the crippling effect of the boiling. Then he was put in a boat in the hot Mediterranean sun and taken across the ocean and put on an island, a small island that was really nothing more than a rock in the middle of the sea, and all of that salt water and salt air was getting into that burned and blistered and all of that other stuff. So he was left there to die of infection. But God didn't cooperate with that. All, so John knows about tribulation. But John also knows that we know about tribulation. You and I know about it. You know about it in your lives. Every one of you have your own story about trouble. And tribulation is just that, it's trouble. Every one of you have your stories. And they are dear to your heart and they're dear to my heart. John understands that. And he wanted people to know that the God that was there for him is the God that was there and will be there for you. There's no, there's no package deal with God. God doesn't have his likes and his dislikes. God doesn't have the people that he calls his favorites and those that aren't his favorites. We can't earn God's favoritism. There's nothing we can do to impress God. From And that's about humanity. That's not about you as a person. It's not about me as a person. It's about humanity in general. Humanity cannot impress God. 
we failed in the Garden of Eden way back when. And that failure gets processed through every living person that has ever lived or will ever live or currently lives. So because of what happened then, we don't have a chance of impressing God. But one came that did impress him, and that was Jesus, his son. And because of Jesus, we accept him as our Lord and Savior. And God sees that, and it's like an adoption. While we're not capable of impressing upon him anything good, Jesus is. And because of Jesus, we have the rights of an adopted child into God's family. So when John says, I'm your brother in tribulation, he's giving you some encouraging words about where he's going. And why, why did I say all of that for worship? Because I want you to understand that the God that we worship the Father of Jesus Christ, he is worthy of whatever it is that we can lift up to him. He's worthy of that. And he doesn't expect it to be put in any type of a special package. And he doesn't expect it to be given out in any particular way, through any particular music, or through any particular Bible, or through any particular this, or any particular that. It's got to come from your heart. He's going to look at our hearts and he's going to see where our intent lies. And that's where he's going to see worship. Three things I want to bring out specifically out of these passages. First, I want us to see that our worship should be prepared. It shouldn't be scripted, but it should be prepared. And there's a difference there. When John tells us he was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, we can easily understand this to be Sunday. And it may be. It may be the first day of the week. It may be. But it goes much deeper than that. The Lord's Day can be any day of the week. Now, the day of the resurrection was the first day of the week, which would be our Sunday. Now, whether it was our Sunday or not, we really don't know. But the point is, that's not the Lord's Day. The Lord's Day is any day of the week. When you get up in the morning, on Monday morning, and you get ready to begin your day, it can be the Lord's Day. And it should be the Lord's Day. Tuesday should be the Lord's Day. And it just goes on and on and on every day. And I'm not giving you this as a way to get up and just kind of box block yourself out of reality. Face reality. Face the day that's ahead and face the troubles and the tribulations that are in your life. Face them head on, but face them with a faith in God that Him through His Son Jesus Christ can lead you through all of those tribulations. Wherever they may be, whatever they may be working out in your life, be prepared for the day by giving that day to the Lord. Be prepared for those tribulations and those difficulties by giving them to the Lord and giving that day to the Lord and letting it be His. And whatever He works out in that, give that over to Him and give that worship to Him that He deserves. Be prepared by being faithful to God and handing everything over to Him. You say, I won't know, I won't understand. How will I know how it's all going to work out? You won't until it does. But if you do it in faith, 
If you're prepared by faith as you move forward in the things that are ahead, then you might have to say, well, I wasn't prepared for this or I wasn't expecting this. But in the end, since I wasn't expecting it and it happened because of my faith in God, we're going to be okay. That's being prepared that John had when he went to, when he went to Patmos and when he was there ready to face whatever life may bring him. He didn't know if he was going to die there. He didn't know what was going to happen to him when he got there. He was prepared. He was prepared by faith that he worshiped God while he was on that island. When you are exiled and you feel exiled in the island that you're facing, whatever it may be, be prepared for it by giving your circumstances over to God and being willing to let Him lead you through that. Be prepared. Be prepared prayerfully. And when I say prayerfully, I'm talking about just like we went through this morning. But I'll add a few things to it. We want to be prepared and prayerfully by being thankful. We want to be prayers, prayers of thanksgiving. We want to look at how God has moved in our lives and in our children and in our families and, and in, in, in the groups that we're within and, and around. And, and we want to give God thanks for everything that He's done. But we also want to pray with supplication. And supplication is exactly what we done with prayer requests this morning. We talked about others who needed prayer. We lifted them up. We lifted each other up. We included, we asked for ourselves. That's supplication. Going to God on behalf of someone else. When we're going to be prepared for worship, let's go to God on behalf of someone else as well as on behalf of ourselves. Let's lift others up as well as being thankful. Also, and just as important as any of those, let's pray with a heart of repentance. Let's ask God to reveal to us where we have fallen short. Not ask others where we've fallen short. And it's always good to have that fellowship. But ask God to show me in my heart where I have fallen short in His will and His work and His walk with me. And ask Him, how I need to repent of that. How do I fall short? Teach me your ways, God. Teach me where I've fallen short and teach me how I cannot do it again. Those are important. We can't worship God until we have those things in our life. When our prayer life isn't right before God, our worship can't be right before God. So if we're going to worship, we have to do it prayerfully. Then we have to be prepared by reading our Bible. Now that may sound like something we hear over and over every week, and you will hear that from me every week, because Bible reading is just that important. And I'm not talking about sitting down for hours at a time. If you can do that, and you have the time to do that, and you can really get into God's Word, that is some great Bible reading time. But even if you do just a few verses a day, read those few verses and concentrate on them and meditate on them throughout the day and let them speak to your heart and let them prepare your heart because you can take two or three verses a day and you can glean so much from it as far as worship 
You can grow so much in God's Word and you can gain so much, in, uh, so much enthusiasm, so much encouragement, so much strength. And from that you will worship. You won't even realize it won't be something that you'll do out of practice. It won't be something that will be scripted in your life. It will be something that will just flow from your heart. That's worship. Then, we want to prepare by fellowship. If you're worshiping through the understanding of God's Word, and if you're worshiping through prayer, you're going to want to talk about it with each other. You're going to want to share it with one another. You're going to have those special connections and those special people that you're going to want to say, let me share with you what God has done in my life. And that's going to be such an encouragement to them because they're going to have some amazing things to share with you too. You're going to be able to encourage one another through fellowship. And then before you know it, worship is going to be spreading. And everyone is going to have it. Everyone's going to be thanking God and lifting Him up. And you're not going to be scripting anything into it. It's going to be something that's going to be flowing naturally. God's not going to be packaged inside of a box any longer. He's going to be outside of that box and He's going to be moving through hearts and lives and He's going to be making changes in people. So first John wants us to understand that our worship should be a prepared worship. Then he wants us to understand that our worship should be a proclaimed worship. John tells us that he heard a great voice in verses 10 and 11. We know that great voice was the Lord himself speaking to him. And we can talk about many things that church may be missing this morning. We can talk about many things that might be lacking in services in churches. And that's okay. But the fact is, if we want to understand worship, we want to understand what's going on in worship, we have to understand that worship is something that's been proclaimed. Worship is something that's being pushed forward. Worship is something that's being shared. What do I mean? Well, we're going to ask three questions. If we're going to be able to proclaim through worship who Jesus Christ is, we're going to have to answer the question, am I certain I have the right relationship with the Lord? In order to proclaim Jesus to others, we have to have that relationship with Him ourselves. We have to know what that is. Does that mean we're going to be sinless? No, it doesn't. That doesn't mean we're going to have a license to just go sin and do whatever we want to do either. What it means is as we grow in our walk with the Lord and when we grow in our relationship with the Lord, we're going to fail, we're going to make mistakes, we're going to do things that we think might be right, or we're going to do things that we may not understand and we're going to find out later that they're wrong or that we failed or we've done something wrong. And God, we're going to have to seek repentance and grow and move that's what God wants us, just like teaching us as a child when we learned how to walk or ride a bicycle. We were shown the fundamentals of it. But then we got on that bicycle and we would start pedaling and we would start wobbling. 
we would wreck. Well, what did we do? We didn't just give up. We got up. We brushed off the dirt and the dust. We got the bleeding stopped. We got back on it. And we done it again. And we kept doing it. And we kept doing it. And we kept doing it. Till we got it right. And then we didn't quit there. We kept doing it and we got better at it. We got improved at it. And then we, we were doing all kinds of things with it that were, uh, that were just more than just riding the bicycle. That's the same way your walk with the Lord and your relationship with the Lord is going to be. When you're first starting, you're going to stumble and fall. And when you do, you've got two choices. You can stay down and say, I failed. And you can sit there and you can never get up. Or you can get up and you can dust yourself off. You can take care of your bruises and bumps. You can stop the bleeding. You can look back and you can say, well, I did this wrong and that wrong. And you can start trying right where you're at. Pick up and go forward again. Trying not to make those same mistakes. When we're talking about worship, and we're talking about proclaiming Christ as part of worship, it comes to that relationship. When we're proclaiming Christ, the first thing people see in our lives, are we walking that relationship? Are we doing the right things? Are we growing in our relationship? Yes, there are some very judgmental people out there. I'm not going to sugarcoat that. There are some very judgmental people out there. And they're going to forget about all the times in their life when they failed. When they fell down. When they had to get up and they had to brush themselves off and they had to go on. They're going to forget all about that. But you can't let those people hold you down. You get up. You brush yourself off. And you walk and you grow in your relationship with the Lord. And you let that relationship be a part of the foundation of your worship. Then you have to answer the question, am I certain I walk the walk and talk the talk of Jesus? We can talk about church and Christianity all day long. And it's easy to talk about church when we're sitting in a group of believers. It's easy to talk about Jesus when we're sitting in a group of believers. Everybody's on the same page and nobody's, we talked about the bullying earlier in the prayer request. Some of the, some of the harshest criticism that I get on social media is criticism from people who are not Christians or people who have a very distorted view of Christianity. And I've had to deal with them quite often on social media. But here is it. Instead of me pushing back when they come after me and they push, I have to stop and I have to ask the question, what would Jesus do? How would he handle these people? And I have to try to handle them the same way because that's going to be a testimony, a proclamation of my walk with with the Lord, of my relationship with him. Do do, Do I walk the talk? Anybody can memorize pieces of Scripture and quote them. Anybody can do that. But do you know what's impressive? 
And what's impressive is not the people who memorize Scripture and quote it back. What's impressive are the people who live it. That's what's impressive. Those are the people who make a difference for Jesus. Because they live it. They try to live it. They try to walk it every day through the good times and the bad times, through the difficulties and, and not. If we're going to proclaim Jesus in worship as we should, we need to be asking that question and we need to be answering it. Am I walking the walk and talking the talk the way the Lord wants it done? Next, am I certain that I treat others the way I want to be treated? They all go together. All three of those questions go together and they build upon one another. Not am I being, am I being, am I treating others the way they're treating me? That's not what's questionless. Am I treating others the way I want to be treated? Yes, that means that sometimes we're going to have to just walk away from conflict. And that means we're going to have to ask the question, how do I, how do I do this responsibly? I mean, how do I, how do I address this that brings this person closer to the Lord instead of pushes them farther away? Even if it means, even if it means me being pushed and fingered and, and, and made fun of and pushed away, even if it means me taking a lesser role, what do I need to do to get this person closer to Jesus? How do I want to be treated? Now that doesn't mean we allow people to beat up on us physically. And that doesn't mean we allow people to beat up on us verbally. Okay? I don't want to give you the wrong impressions there. That doesn't mean that we just take bullying and we walk away from it. But that does mean that we have to think about seriously how we are going to approach it so that it gives the right testimony at the right time in our lives. Sometimes there is nothing we can do except defend ourselves physically, and we should be willing to do that. Sometimes there is nothing we can do but defend ourselves legally, and we should be willing to do that. Sometimes there's nothing we can do except defend ourselves socially, and we should be willing to do that. But we also have to be willing to think genuinely about how we're going to pursue it and how we're going to do it so as not to take away from our worship. Christianity isn't a cakewalk. It never has been. Contrary to what some of these people out there may be telling us, and they may be giving the impression that it's all pie in the sky and, and there's no problems that go with it. There are a lot of problems that go with Christianity. There are a lot of difficulties that go with the walk with Christianity. A great deal of them. These are just some of them. But they all come back to the point of do we, do, do we proclaim Christ in our lives? Do we proclaim Jesus? Those are the things that we need to know. Those are the things we need to be concerned about. That is part of our worship. That is a big part of how we gain worship in our lives. Well, last this morning, our worship should be pronounced. Jesus says that he is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the first and the last, and he is everything that's in between. When it comes to your life and my life, in the end, 
when it's all said and done, when we make that transition from this life to the next one, the only thing that will be important will be Jesus. That may be hard to see and hard to understand right now, but it's true. It's very true. He will be the only thing that is important. Jesus will be obvious then at that time. But Jesus can be obvious here today in your heart and in your life. Jesus should be the most important thing in your life today. He should be your foundation. He was John's foundation. In everything that he done, he was John's foundation in his life. And he can be your foundation in everything that you do in your life. Your relationships with your children and with your spouses should be based on Jesus and should be a foundation of Jesus. Your relationship with your employer at work should be based on Jesus. Your relationship with everyone in this facility should be based on Jesus. Your relationship with everything in life should have a foundation of Jesus. If you get to that point and if you can find that place in life, you will find so much more meaning in everything in life for you. There will be no difference in, 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 in things. Your, your relationships will seem so much better. I tell, I tell my daughters when they're, when they're looking for, for relationship, when they're looking for that husband, and, and they're, they're, they're wondering, are there any good men left out there? Yes, there are. There are. In the same way with women, there are good women left out there. But you don't find them in the bars. You don't find them in, uh, in the drug houses. You don't find them in these other places. You find them in people that already have a relationship with Christ. How do you know? How do you know? Somebody, there are so many shysters out there. How do you know if they say, well, I'm a Christian? How do you know? Ask them some tough questions. Where do they go to church? Who's the pastor of that church? How long have they been going to church there? What kind of work do they do in that church? Those aren't personal questions. Ladies, if you're asking a man those questions and he has to give you a deer in the headlight look, you'd better start backing up. If you ask him where he goes to church and he can tell you or give you a church name, that's good. If you ask him who the pastor is and he says, uh, he hadn't been in a while. If you ask him what he does in that church, what kind of work he does, and he doesn't, he just goes and visits. How often do you visit? Easter and Christmas? Ladies, you better start backing up. He might be a born-again Christian, but he's not walking the walk. He's not got his foundation set right. That's important in all of our lives. That's the same advice that I give my daughters. It is. That's the same advice I give them. 
Are those men out there? Yes, they are. You go out there prayerfully. Those relationships are important in life. God did not create us to be alone. He created us to have a spouse. He created us to have someone to share a life with, but He created us to be equally yoked with someone. Those relationships have to be founded in Christ. Those relationships whether they're in a marital relationship or whether they're in a working relationship or whether they're in a, a, a fellowship relationship, they all have to be founded in Christ. Not only that, not only should Jesus be the most important thing, but Jesus should be our personal daily guide. Do you realize, maybe not by specific, but in generality, every question that you have in life, Jesus can answer it from God's Word. It can be answered from the Bible. Every question. It may be generally, but it may not be specific to the name, date, or whatever, but generally you can find the answer to your question, whatever that question may be in life. All you have to do is search Scripture. All you have to do is want to dig it out and you really want to know what does God have to say. Now here, that's the point. Do I really want to know what God has to say about it? Now that's a very, that's a very serious thing to ask. Because if you really want to know what God has to say about it, He will show you and He will reveal it to you. But once you have that information, you have a responsibility to act on it. So when we're talking about worship and we're talking about this final point that we're talking about, about it being pronounced in our lives, and we're talking about that relationship, and we're talking about Jesus having the Lord having that daily guide in our life, this is something that we got, we ask seriously. It's not something that we ask just tongue in cheek and let it just fall to the wayside. Because when we reach out to God and we ask Him questions, He will answer them. And when He does, then the responsibility is on us. What are we going to do with it? Are we just going to push it to the side and pretend we never heard it? Or are we really going to apply it to our lives? Last, Jesus should be an example of how we treat others. We all know how we want to be treated. That's not a problem. The problem comes in to how we treat others. Because whether we all like to admit it or not, and this is true even in preachers' lives, we all have a tendency of having a double standard. Every one of us has a tendency to have a double standard. A set of rules for me, and a set of rules for somebody else. God doesn't operate on double standards. God doesn't operate that way. God has one set of standards for everyone. How I'm going to be treated by others is exactly the way God expects me 
to be treat, treating them. God expects them to treat me according to His Word. God expects me to treat them according to His Word. But what happens when it doesn't work that way? Does that mean we have a right to invoke and do things? Like I said earlier, we have to, we can't, we can't allow others to physically abuse us. We can't allow others to verbally abuse us. We can't allow others to do all these other things. We've got to be careful with those things. But in the end, we come back to God. We come back to His Word. We make sure that we're doing our part right. And we're, we're doing it according to what He wants. And we're praying for that other person. That may not sound like much. But it goes a lot farther than you think. And you want to know some examples of that? In my life, before I was right with God, when I was running around and I was, I, I was drinking and I was carrying on and I was acting a fool in life, I was hurting people. And they were praying for me. And I know who some of those people are today. And they'll tell me that I am an answered prayer today as to who I was then. You have had people praying for you as well. And you are an answered prayer today according to those prayers that were lifted up. God's not finished with you yet. You're a work in progress. I'm a work in progress. My life is a work in progress. Our children and grandchildren are works in progress. All the pastors out here in the counties today are a work in progress. We're all there. In the end, when we realize all of this, we realize the preparedness of worship, the proclamation of worship, and the pronouncement of worship. In our lives and through our voices, we understand worship. And when we read it from God's Word and we see John in worship this day, and we see the closeness that he had with the Lord given all of the circumstances that he was involved with, we see why he was so close. And we see how God could use him as strongly and as boldly as he used him. And God wants that very same opportunity in your life and in my life. You are the testimony <laughs> that God can use to bring somebody else to Christ. There are people that you can reach in your life and through your life that will not give me the time of day and listen to a word I have to say. But you will be that person. Worship and preparation and proclamation and pronunciation gets all of that done. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as I bow before you, I thank you for the time that we've had to open your word and study it today. Lord, I pray that it touches hearts and lives. I pray that it opens doors into lives. 
Lord, I pray that all the requests that have been made today, I ask that they would be granted. I ask that you would touch lives and heal the sick, that you would reach those that are struggling with you today and struggling with your word. Lord, if there's one here today that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, I pray that they would come to know you before it's eternally too late. And Heavenly Father, we'll be careful to praise, honor, and glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.